had that bummer ass episode? Yeah. I, I'm starting on a downer and I hope that you can lift us up. I mean, yeah, that's what I do. You lift us up. Um, you golden raise wings. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so, so I can fly <laughs> So I can do a podcast. You raise me. Wow, you got so um, dramatic and I felt um, Episcopalian as well. One time. Here it is. <laughs> Whatever like, it is, I'm here for it. Like, I know, I know mm-hmm. that it's not said this way, but I don't know where I was. And I was like, episcopal. Episcopal. That is the epit- epitome of embarrassment. It really is. It really is. Oh my god. Devastatio. Let's talk about domestic violence. It's not. I feel like Oprah probably wouldn't scream that in that way. You get a punch and you get a Perhaps punch. I didn't bring the gravitas that she would have. I would like to um, go over some myths, myths and realities about it. Okay. Some of the some of these are like, in my mind, I'm like, this is so dumb. But you know what? If people need to be absolved of their notions, let's do that for them. We're do- it's educating the people. That's what we're here for. My Although God. I'm, I'm willing to bet that 75% of... The women that listen to this probably have some experience in the matter. God, and why? Like, uh-huh. the, the fact that that is a statistic that I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't disagree. It makes it problematic. And I will tell you what, I feel like a number of the gentlemen as well, because that's not talked about enough, and it's people not. feel like maybe they can't come forward, and I think that that's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. So the first myth, or reality, <laughs> is domestic abuse is only physical. Balls. Balls! When people are like, well, he never hit me, so it's not abuse. Or she never hit me, so it isn't abuse. Listen, if something makes you... It's the same thing with assault. The definition of assault, at least in New York, I've realized that that is a different definition across the United States, and that's very bizarre to me. But the definition of assault is, like, making you feel scared. So if I have a water gun, and you think it's real, the fact that it's a water gun is irrelevant. If you're scared and you feel uncomfortable at any point, it counts as assault. Like, I don't think that... Why should we think any different about the physical abuse or physical violence or domestic violence phrasing? Number one, uh, fiction. (laughs) Number two, men are the only abusers. False. I also hate the way that this, yes, I also hate the way that this is talked about because when you talk about like battered women syndrome, like that could just as easily, it's like battered individual syndrome or like, when you talk about spousal abuse or spousal violence, or like that, it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, we had, probably as in the episode we were doing trivia, we were very drunk, um, but we were talking about Johnny Depp and like that could go, mm. if they're both abusing one another, the situation is toxic. They're both toxic. They're both terrible. If that's, if those things are all true, then, then that is my interpretation of that. Like it can go either way. And I just think that that's really horrid. I, There's not someone that's always right and someone that's always yeah, wrong. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like, I think um, men get, oh God, this is going to get so boxy. Do you have a minute? I do. I have all the time. Oh, Lord in heaven. Let me so, start chugging. Should I chug until you stop talking? No. Is that alcohol? Yes. No. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, so it's that kind of so boxy. <laughs> You're going to be dead. It's going to be a long, long, long. So we have... What is called a rape culture, welcome Mm. to the society we're living in today. Mm. Um, Rape culture has a number of components, but specific to what we're talking about here today, I think 
the biggest thing is that men are taught that they are somehow less masculine or less effective as men, which is a ridiculous notion, if they're not constantly looking for or engaging in sexuality. And women are taught that you have two options and none of them have anything to do with your career or intellect. You are either Madonna or you are a whore. And if you are Madonna, you're this beautiful, virginal, everybody wants you, but you will say no to all of them. You are saving yourself for your husband. Sex is something naughty and off the table. And then the other option is to be somebody who's interested in sex and ostensibly just like engaging in healthy sexuality. I don't know, but that's gone way to the left and has become like, well, now you're a whore. You got literally two options. If you've had sex one single time, you are a slut. If you have never, then you are this like virginal Madonna. So that that's Madonna. the bullshit. So think about what that does to us when also thrown into the mix, we have parents, shout out, they don't talk about sexuality to us at all. Mm -hmm. So we hit a point where our hormones are in peak and boys have been hearing, we're not going to tell you how to do sex, guys, but we want you to know that you should be doing it. And you, do should the be, sex. you should be wanting it with women specifically, because heteronormative society. You should be wanting sex all the time. You should be talking about sex. If you're going on a date, you should try to have sex. And you just keep pushing it. And eventually she'll say yes. The other trouble there is how many fucking movies suggest that the more you try... It's romantic. It's romantic. He's fighting for your affections. You said no, but you don't know what's good for you. The notebook. <sighs> Get the fuck off of this Ferris wheel. Thank I'm you. on a date and I'm going to date him. Motherfuck. So, yeah. Like, a lot of things go into um, that. And then for women, I think it becomes very confusing when you hit an age where you... Everyone's going to want sex. Could we, I just, I guess I should have led with that. Everyone's going to want to engage in sex at some point, aside from the asexual, like you're going to have feelings. Hormones are going to do that to you. So it's not weird or unusual. It doesn't mean something about you if you want to have sex or if you do have sex. What it means for our society as a larger whole is that we need to educate people because we know that this is something that's, puberty is going to happen and urges are going to happen. And the more armed you are with knowledge, the better. So when we talk about, like, men are the only abusers, I think a lot of that comes from women are taught that you either have to give in constantly or fight off constantly. And sometimes we just want to have sex with who we want to have sex with and want to reject who we want to reject. And that feels like that would be a healthy society. So I think that it's not weird that we got this idea that women are the only possible victims. But I think it is damaging Though I can see the logic. I'm going to exit Soapbox. Do you have anything to add to my tirade? No. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. I just have a lot of thoughts about that. One day I'll tell you about the singular priest who told us that sex was wrong and that all of society is now listening to. One single guy. One dude. One dude who you know couldn't get laid. So I, it's no problem. Oh, me. I was just talking about um, incels. Oh, bitch. The, oh. Are you going to bring it up in this episode? No. <laughs> but I also, just the other day, had a conversation about how... Incel is involuntarily celibate. Yeah. Um, I also had a conversation about how that exact, your soapbox, where like women feel like they have to give in. And I'm not trying to, I don't know, out myself. But I can't tell you the number of men that I've ended up having sex with because I felt bad. First of all, the number doesn't matter. I'm going to throw well, that out you. there right now. Doesn't give a, I don't give a fuck. Thank you. Could be 800, could be two. Don't care. If you two. ever didn't want it, 
you should not have to feel that way. But I think women have gotten into um, a belief. We, you, you know, blue balls. Blue yep. balls is not. It, first of all, yes, it's uncomfortable for a moment. Fucking women get it too. You get to the peak of your arousal, and then if you, there's no release, do you know what happens? Your body gets back to normal because homeostasis. <laughs> <laughs> Because homeo fucking stasis, your body's gonna go back to normal, your balls won't fall off, your vulva won't fall off, y'all be fine. But we have this thought that like, oh. That we're a tease. That like, you're like that because of me. Because I existed, I kissed you, I let you touch me. And if I stop, I'm a tease You're a teenage boy, you're hard constantly. This is me as an adult, bitch. But like, do you know what I mean? Like we have this, that's where it comes from with the beginning of hormones. Like, oh, well I'm hard. So you have, you did this. Mm-hmm. This is also why we have dress codes that say girls can't show their shoulders. Listen, he's going to be hard no matter what. I'm going to wear what I'm going to wear. Yeah, Here's my just, bra strap. Sorry. I, is April something domestic, something awareness month because there, I just saw a thing that was like a pie chart about why rapes happen. And it had all these colors, and it was like tight shirt asking for blah 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 blah. And then it was the bottom one was rapists, and yes. the whole circle was the color. of That's that. exactly right. And like we have a society that pushes people in directions, but we also have a society that should be or is trying to help people get away from those stereotypes. I just think it's happening way too late. Like you can't have somebody grow up in a chasm where like all of these things are true and then by the time they're like 25 be like oh you didn't need to have all sex with those boys you could have just walked away you wouldn't have gotten murdered everything's fine right like women have this in their head and i think that's why there's definitely been men where i was like you're annoying and i i just want this to stop but there's also been men where i've been scared what Mm -hmm. happens if i say no well because if they want it they're gonna fucking take it and you know what else there's been situations where i've thought to myself like I do like this person, but I just don't feel ready. And that's also okay. You're like you, But we don't talk to kids about sex, and it's so what do you want? And too. Like if you're a virgin and you don't feel ready, it's definitely more acceptable to say to a guy. Mm-hmm. But the second you've had sex, oh yeah, then you always just want, you're oh. always just supposed to have sex. There's no reason to say no well, to it. The whole- and then if you're married, you certainly have no right to say no ever. Because your property. The whole notion of losing your virginity also is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, when you're born, you've also never had a nosebleed. You've never had a skinned knee. You've never had your ears pierced. Like, there's a trillion things you've never done, but you're not like, oh, God, I've lost my lobe. When you get your <laughs> like, the fuck? That's not a thing people Leotard say. You know what I mean? Lobe. Like, when you have to start wearing a sports bra, they're like, oh, God, she's lost her perk. Like, it, that's not... Nobody thinks that. But the fact that we've assigned... Ugh, like just God, I it's vomitous. Like the fact that we've assigned some other meaning to a sexuality of a baby, a fucking baby. And then we're like, women, you have to hold on to that. And boys, if you haven't lost your virginity by the time you're mm-hmm. 18, something right. Like, oh, what do you mean you're a virgin? Like the fuck? It's just oh God, I'm gonna get real disgusted this episode. Oh, don't worry, I'll be angry. <sighs> uh I don't remember what number on, it doesn't matter. Domestic abuse is a crime of the poor and uneducated. False. Yeah. Of course false. Because you know what else is happening? With sexuality education, we're all uneducated. We're all poor and uneducated when it comes to... And like a little bit, I'm sorry, poor people are trying to put food on the table, not worried about who they're fucking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a stigma of people who get arrested for domestic violence and that it might be more likely to happen in certain communities. 
but there's a stigma that African Americans are more likely to be doing drugs and it has all to do with who's being arrested. So I think that it's not unusual that there would be extra arrests in a lower socioeconomic status community that has nothing to do with where it's actually happening. Yeah. And because the higher in socioeconomic status you are, the more embarrassment that comes with that. So even like the women are more likely to probably keep it to themselves and the higher socioeconomic status, the more likely you are to be like a pillar of the community. Yeah. So even if the cops are alerted, Oh my God. They're not going to well do connected. anything. How many cops mm. are committing domestic violence? And what woman, where are you going to go? Well, where are you going to go? Rose Matter, bitch. You should read it. Stephen King, delicious book. Ooh. She gets out in the end. Spoiler. Um, but then <laughs> also. <laughs> I don't need to read it. Oh my God. It's still so good. It, what is it called? Rose Matter. M-A-D-D-E. Oh. Um, or Rose, if you will. So <laughs> all day. The other thing, so um, domestic violence, it's an ecumenical crime, so it's like across all socioeconomic statuses. Um, but the other thing that I was going to add there is oh, that it might become whether the male or the female is the breadwinner, it's more likely that that person is the abuser. Um, so it might be more power. Yes, it's a, it's all power dynamics. So it might be more difficult for the person to from from whom the power has been taken to walk away. Um, so when that person has like taken your identity to the extent that sometimes people are taking like your wallet, your passport, like stealing those things from you and like really owning your ability to move about freely, it makes it very difficult to, to get out. Mm -hmm. Um, the other part that uh, I guess, um, I guess I can roll it, uh, in there kind of is this one in the next, um. They're all myths. <laughs> I'm going to pop the Pringles. They're all myths. Because um, you can't stop. Uh, the people are calling domestic violence like a Jekyll and Hyde syndrome. So there, there is a... Or calling abusers, I guess, Jekyll and Hyde. So there's like a thought that this person is so good and so nice and they treat me so well. But then sometimes this other thing happens. And, oh, it's because they were stressed. Or, oh, it's because, it's because, it's because... And we try because we genuinely probably love these people to excuse it or to say it will never happen again. It was specific to this set of circumstances, which is unlikely to reoccur. And therefore, everything's fine. Myth number four. If the victim doesn't leave, the situation must be tolerable. Mm. Go ahead. An abuser is most likely... To kill the abusee as they are trying to leave them or within six months of them having left. That's why nobody leaves. Because that's when you're at most risk to not survive. Oh my gosh. And don't you think that aside from, we just talked about all abuse is not physical. Aside from the physical torment that may or may not be happening. Don't oh you God, think. your squeaky chair now. <laughs> yes. Don't you think that people are saying things like, if you fucking tell, I swear to God, I'll slit your throat. If you do this, if you do th like they I'm And they isolate them from their friends and their family. There's nowhere for them to go. They, like, talk shit about the person being abused. Like, oh, she's crazy, she's this. So, like, no, nobody yep. takes anything they say she's seriously. She's so dramatic. She keeps telling me this and this and this. Just planting those seeds yep. so that when the person comes to you, it's like, oh, well, there she is again. Yep. Jane. Histrionics. Oh, bitch. Um, there was a writer who made a hashtag called why I stayed mm -hmm. and it, she was talking about, or other people as well, were talking about like 
the realities of living in an abusive situation. And here are some responses. So one was, I was determined to make it work. I wanted kids, the kids to have their dad, and I convinced myself that what he did to me wasn't affecting them. People are talking about wanting to leave because the, it's, it's stay and possibly die or leave and possibly die. And one of those requires less mental, emotional, mm-hmm. and physical anguish. And so it's just like, I know the evil here. I don't know what evil I could invoke if I leave. And so you just... And there's also a fear of like, say you get out and you survive. What if that's all men? Mm. Like, you know what this is. What if you, you know, you heal and you get through your shit and then you find a new guy and he's fucking worse. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how to handle what you're being presented with and that's what is safe, even though it's incredibly unsafe. Sure. And like, not to put a like pleasant spin on it but people do this in jobs also like you know the job isn't good for you you girl (laughs) you know it's a difficult fit maybe the boss is demanding maybe you don't see any um chance for upward mobility you're not being appreciated but you know how to do the job my sister was actually just talking about this the other day like i i've got seniority there now so you are afforded some benefits and starting at zero is scary and it's hard and it takes work and if you've been diminished and diminished and diminished for so long, you might not have anything left in the tank to give to this new start situation. And at that point, you might have been isolated from your family and friends. Like, there was um, another podcast. I can't even remember what it was or what they were talking about. Um, But one of the hosts just said out loud, I didn't, I'll let you know. Yes, please do. (laughs) One of the hosts had um, reached out just like to the audience. I was like, if I ever knew you and you're in an abusive relationship, Call me now. Call me now. If you hated me... You sound like Leo. Call call me me now now for your free rescue. But if you like... (laughs) But literally, you know what I mean? Like, if you're stuck, and give a fuck. I don't care how we ended. If I was mad at you, because like, that does happen when you're, oh, you're only focused on your boyfriend and you don't spend time with me anymore. And then like... he won't let... Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what? what? However we left, whatever terms we left on, just find me. Find me in the phone book or wherever people find phone numbers nowadays. I don't know. Huh. Like, call Verizon. Like, let me know. I will come help you. You can come and live in my house. The next one here is the abuser just snapped. So the myth, the thought behind that myth is that domestic abuse and domestic violence are just like an uh, elongated tantrum. Like, people are just like, oh, I had a really bad day and it culminated with this and now I'm going to abuse you. I'm like, ugh. Displacement. God. Um, this started because there was a guy in Massachusetts who had a defense attorney. It's not his fucking defense attorney, like, please. Um, and he said that he was under, the guy was under a lot of pressure and he just snapped, causing him to kill six members of his ex-wife's family. Um, no, not the case. Um, domestic violence isn't an anger management issue. It's not, not being able to handle stress. Um, it's probably cyclical. It's probably that it was learned in childhood, which is also something we have to break. Like, mm-hmm. But it's not the responsibility of the victim to break the cycle. It's the responsibility of the abuser to recognize that this is not a good pattern of behavior and to think that you want more or you want better for yourself and your family and your children. So it's not that the abuser is out of control. It's not that they don't know what they're doing or they are crazed or overwhelmed or anything. When those people are in court, they're in suits they sit, or dresses, and they sit quietly and politely, and they are eloquent, and they are kind, and they talk about their story, and they know what they're doing. Don't, please. 
it's a way of control. It's a way of taking the power away from somebody. It's a way of giving yourself more semblance of power, even though it's some bullshit. So kind of on that note, I want to talk to you about breaking point. Cause I have heard that like so much like, Oh, I just snapped or I just, it was I hit my boiling point. Like what does that mean psychologically? Uh, it turns out it's got a couple of different definitions, but most people agree that it's like the stress level becomes unbearable. So your levels of accumulated stress um, have just absolutely become like you can't even handle it anymore. It's not a singular incident. So you can't have like, I don't know, you can't like, all of these are terrible examples because they could all be the pinnacle of accumulation of stress. Um, like it would not be the case that everything was going perfectly well in your life and then you got into a car accident and you're like, well, I fucking had it! Like that's not what this is. It's the same thing as if you have a bad day, like you wake up and you're late for work and then you stub your toe when you're getting up because you're in a rush and then you realize that you didn't pull the laundry out of the washer the night before and so now you have nothing to wear and then you get in the car and you go to work and your boss is mad because you're late and now it's just like one thing after another but it's all because of that first initial stressor. Um, the other thing that happens, there's a word for this and it, it escapes me now. Um, it doesn't matter. But the other thing that happens as your stress builds up is that your fatigue builds up as well. So like as stress is increasing, your body's ability to repair itself is decreasing because stress also has a way of like keeping us awake. When we ruminate, pardon me, when we ruminate about things or we wake up every hour and we've got these thoughts, like <clears throat> we've done this to ourselves, like even in good situations, when you're preparing for a trip the next day or you're like really excited about something, you're like, oh, I couldn't get any sleep. I can't wait for this party later. That's going to be so great. Like we do this to ourselves constantly and that builds up our fatigue and makes it difficult for us to control our emotions. However, again, it's the culmination. So I would be more expectant that breaking point would happen on the point of the victim rather than the abuser. The abuser's not got any stress, like aside from regular things that we all have to deal with. Like the person, <clears throat> you're completely dominating your domestic partner. What's stressful about that? You say jump and they say how high? Mm -hmm. Boo-hoo, you know? Like, yeah, if it's stressful, you just fucking stop. Yeah, exactly. Just like break up with them. You're, I don't, you're <clears> in control. You're in complete control. So I don't buy that the abuser would be the victim or would be the breaking point um, in that dynamic. Some people... Well, the breaking point for the abuser is when the abusee tries to leave. Well, exactly. and then But then that just pushes an already violent situation. It like escalates what was already present. For people who hit a breaking point psychologically, I get the impression that it's like, like some people try to blunt their feelings and you're just sort of like, okay, I, yep, I get it. I will deal with it. I will work through this. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then something happens and you can see that change and like it totally twists their, like the same thing when I left my last job. I don't know what it was, but I'd had the same conversation with my boss like 8,000 times and I was like, I think it's time for us to part ways. And it just came flying out of my mouth. I had no plan. I had no backup. I had nothing. Which is like, I gotta get out of here. I'm sorry. Like, it wasn't violent or abusive, but I was just like, well, he was. Well, but I wasn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't go into like a fiery rage. I was just like, gotta go. See you. Red realsies. I barely packed my stuff. I still have stuff in that office, I'm sure. And I was just like, well, <laughs> bye. So, some people do ignore those symptoms and the stress sort of like builds up and it might not be that they're ignoring them, but like maybe the outside world can't see it. Like maybe you're pushing it back inside yourself to get through your day to day. 
and you don't want to bother your friends, you don't want to bother your family. Yeah, there's with certain it. there's certain things you have to do to survive. Period. Mm-hmm. And you, if you're ruminating on everything that is awful, right? The breaking point is going to hit, but it might be a different result. Mm-hmm. Self harm, exactly. Deepak Chopra identified three stages of a breaking point. It doesn't have to do necessarily with like abuse, but I'm trying to like tie them together, you know. The first stage is you don't feel like you're out of control, but you do know that you're under pressure. So you're like feeling some stress, but the stress might be motivating or you at least feel like you're in control of your environment enough to like prioritize stressors and get through that period. If that's not resolved, the second stage is that stress starts to cloud your judgment. You start to feel like you're losing control. You feel disorganized. You might start to be disorganized. Um, People who suffer with depression have this also, where, like, your fatigue builds up, and fatigue builds up and builds up and builds up, and then you get to a point where you're like, things are chaotic in my life, and you can't bring yourself to organize that chaos because it feels like there will never be, like, a relief from it. Like, your efforts are better spent elsewhere because you're already exhausted. Does that make sense? Oh, I've been there. Oh, God, girl. Um, In this stage, you're making a conscious effort not to be angry. You're trying really hard to control your anxiety. You may be talking to people about the stress, but you're not like, like you can say the words, I'm overwhelmed without like exploding. It's just like, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. And then the third stage is when you can't cope any longer, you explode. The tension is released momentarily, but almost universally, you feel embarrassed and regretful when you realize what has happened. So it might be a situation where like things are going on in your personal life that are really like stressing you out. Like maybe a death of a family member, like you've got all these things that are like building up your bills are behind or whatever the fuck. And then your significant other says something like, are we going to go grocery shopping today? Which sounds a little aggressive. And you're like, I'm not going grocery shopping. I don't want to deal with it. Let me give you a better example using my literal parents. So my mom always has done the grocery shopping, but like my dad pays the mortgage, so it feels like a good trade-off. <laughs> and so she comes in the house. She's got all these, um, I almost said garbage bags. She's got all of these, probably also those grocery bags. And he looks at her, instead of helping bring in the grocery bags, <laughs> she must have had a bad week. And he goes, are you going to clear off the kitchen table before you put them down? And she takes her left arm and swipes it across the table, knocking everything onto the floor. And she goes, there, it's clean. I'm like, Yes, it is, ma'am. You showed me how to deal with that. But that was a breaking point. It's an embarrassing and weird reaction. It's not, though. (laughs) It's not. When you have your hands fucking full and you're not willing to help, don't worry about the fucking table. Right? Two things. Clear the table for us so we can bring the groceries. Or hold the groceries so I can clear the table. Or get the groceries. Or mind your fucking business. Right. Worry about yourself. So that's an example, a minimum example of like being overwhelmed and stressed out. That made me stressed out. <laughs> oh, it was hilarious. I was like eleven. I was amazing to do that. I was like, get it, bitch. Um, then there's this other thing that I wanted your opinion on because I think you might have some really insightful thoughts. Oh boy, it's no called, pressure. It's called PTE, and George Bonanno from Colombia has um, sort of postulated this or put it forward. It's a potentially traumatic event. And instead of, um, have you ever seen the traumatic life, like life stressor questionnaires or the traumatic life event questionnaires? So the big criticism of those, they're usually like a hundred items or like something crazy. And they'll say something like death of a spouse. 
And how stressful was that for you? If you experienced it. And, or, sorry, they'll put death of a spouse on there. And, like, if you say, yes, that happened to me in the last year or whatever, they assume that that um, is a certain amount of stress. But maybe you hate your spouse. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Like, I know that sounds terrible. Maybe they were abusing you. Maybe you guys had been separated for 20 years and you don't really give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, to assume that certain things are stressful. Like, they put on their um, planning a wedding. And planning a wedding, I understand, like, the logistics. good stress. Good stress is a different type than the death of a loved one. Mm -hmm. So the way that they've done those things is a little bit crazy. And so George here is trying to say there's potentially traumatic events. And it's not traumatic or stressful unless we have given it that meaning. So two people could go through the same event, and if one internalizes it as traumatic... It'll be stressful for them, for them, and maybe there would be like a PTSD response, and others can go through that same event, and because they didn't put that traumatic label on it, whatever that means psychologically, that they didn't experience it as traumatic, they won't have those same reactions. What are your thoughts? I think that's true. I think the way it's, and I don't think you meant for it, or probably he meant for it, but the way that was like, framed as if you don't put the traumatic like that's not a thing you choose that's something internal subconscious that well that's exactly right who knows what the mechanisms are but yeah it's not an active process for sure yeah and I think you can probably see a lot of it in like people who have experienced the same natural disaster like Mm. Katrina I'm sure tsunami I was thinking about going to war also yeah and I mean war is probably more universal than other situations but I mean I know people that have had similar experiences and evaluate them differently so Mm -hmm. and it's also like based on other experiences like if you've already had something insanely traumatic and then something lesser traumatic happens it's not going to be that big of a deal for you but for Mm -hmm. someone who's never had any trauma that's going to rock their whole world it's all about perspective well again taking it into a more lighthearted example we experience that all the time with like students and people who are like new to the education realm like getting a b is not a traumatic experience Mm -hmm. sweetheart like you know what i mean calm down i know you got sort of pushed through your high school or whatever but this is different Mm -hmm. and it's okay like you're sort of expected within bounds to like not be great at everything in college it's all right so I think that that's not um, a point that he addresses directly, but I think I would hope that that's part of his model, and I think it's a good point. Like, where you're coming from is going to facilitate the internal process of deciding if something is traumatic or not. Like, Girl, how many times have I said, if blah, blah, blah is your biggest problem, throw yourself a party? <laughs> like, Well, that's why it's difficult, too, to say, well, somebody has it much worse. Somebody might... From your vantage point, like when people say, oh, well, there's people who are, you know, whatever, living in third world countries. First of all, third world countries aren't terrible. They have an excellent sense of community. There's wonderful things about living in one. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like, if you have access to fresh water and vaccinations, I feel like you're probably in a pretty good status there. Mm -hmm. And we put such a stress on like money and like jobs here that that's how we evaluate status. So if you don't have those things, you probably experience it as a little bit more traumatic 
than somebody who lived in a country where there's like a little bit more equity, like free healthcare. Mm-hmm. If you lived in Canada and you don't make a ton of money, but you're waitressing and you're getting by, doesn't matter because your health is taken care of. So you're less stressed out. So. And you know how I feel about people who say, well, someone always has it worse. Yeah. <laughs> Great. But uh-huh. also, there's always going to be someone who has it better. And are you going to tell me I should be less happy? Well, exactly. Like, like we all judge in our heads and whatever. But at the end of the day, it's someone's own experience. And how they experience it is true to them. And it just and you think is there are, what it is. There's nothing to be done about it. There are certainly humbling experiences when you're like, oh, I didn't realize that I had this privilege. Or I didn't realize that mm-hmm. I had this um, freedom. And that makes you reevaluate things. But I don't think when somebody's at their lowest or their most stressed out point is the time for somebody else to come in and who's not experienced stress mm-hmm. and try to be like, here's how I perceive all the things you're going like, through. Happiness is a choice. Oh my God. <laughs> Suck my dick. That's a choice. It doesn't seem um, as readily available to me as it apparently is to you, but that's What great. I'm choosing to do right now is not wring your neck, so... Be happy. There you go. So is your life right now a choice? <laughs> My choice? So if you could shut the fuck up, that'd be great. You in danger, girl. <laughs> oh, whoopee. So that's kind of what I wanted to um, frame. It got a little more soapboxy than I had intended. I feel real passionately about this. I, girl, wait. I'm going to soapbox it right the fuck Oh, up. good. God, can I jump in when it's necessary? Oh, yes. <laughs> and by necessary, I mean I feel it's necessary. <laughs> Because it's perspective. It's never it's necessary. Those. No one ever is looking for my opinion. That's fine. <laughs> Shut up. So, if this was an interactive episode, I'd be like, hey guys, based on that introduction, what do you think we're going to talk about? Domestic violence. But what in particular? And you know, so don't cheat. Always oh, going to try to be several different voices. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no do, do a fake guess first. Um... <laughs> Johnny Depp situation. You mentioned it in the beginning. <laughs> no, Braveheart. Sorry. <laughs> you know that's the only accent I have. That's all I've got. Oh, William Wallace. That and also Spellfield. <laughs> but specifically that word only. But no, we're going to talk about Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena. I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say. So I think probably the majority. Of people listening to this have heard about this in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to go over. I will tell you the first time I heard about it, I think I I think it was a joke, like a playground joke that I didn't quite understand. I don't remember hearing about it when it happened. Like it happened in. Let me look. My fucking dates. This bitch. All she goes. Nineteen ninety three. Leading into the episode, she 10. goes. All I've written are my dates. <laughs> Honestly, like because I have shit to say. And I watched the. 93 it happened. I was 10. Um, I also like shout... I hate saying shout out. Jordan Peele. Oh my god. First of all, these scary movies that you've made that I've not watched because I'm scared. I did watch the ending of Us today because it was a BuzzFeed I saw that on BuzzFeed. I didn't watch the ending. I thought it was going to be scary. It wasn't scary. Just... Tether bag, tool bag. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But also, he directed and put together this whole um like mini series documentary about it's called Lorena it's about Lorena Bobbitt and it John John Wayne Wayne Gacy oh poor John Wayne oh my god though actual John Wayne poor why don't you watch The Office long story short this guy 
don't say long story short in a John Wayne Bobbit. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Chop. Cut. Deepak Chopra has a lot to say. Deepak <laughs> Chopra. Chopra. Um, no, but so in the office, this guy is given misinformation that he is a distant relative of Michelle Obama. And he's white. So then the whole office is like, well, that probably means that, like, you owned slaves. Because how else? Mm. And he gets mad. So he's like, find out all the the d- skeletons in everybody else's closet. And the person oh who's God. doing it makes it up. And so the one guy, Kevin, she's like, oh, it looks like you're related to John Wayne Gacy and John Wayne Bobbitt. And he goes, what about John Wayne? And she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just amazing. But anyways, okay. So... I'm going to give you the... the yeah, give me the skinny. What happened? The Cliff's Notes. Cliff's Notes? Clifford! They belong to Cliff. His notes. They belong to him. There was something, a show where they said that and it made me laugh. <laughs> um, okay, so... Long story very short, which, again, dicks. <laughs> John that was Wayne, the first time. That was the first introduction to dicks. Surprise, everyone. Spoiler. Dicks. It has to do with dicks. <laughs> John Wayne Bobbitt and Lorraine Bobbitt got married. The relationship was... What is her backstory? So she was a... Immigrant? Yeah, from... Yeah, I understood that as well. I... She's Hispanic in some mm-hmm. way. I don't have it in front of me. But, like, she... need she, she needed to get, like, citizenship. She wasn't born here. Um, So... They got married in 1989. And the... Relationship was abusive, which ultimately resulted in... Ecuadorian. Oh. There it is. It ultimately resulted in Lorena cutting off her husband's penis whilst he slept. hmm So, when she was arrested... This happened on June 23rd, 1993. Mm-hmm. She told the police, and now, again, she does have a, an accent. It's kind of thick. It's obviously not her first language. She said, he always have orgasm, and he doesn't wait for me ever to have orgasm. He's selfish. And that was her explanation of why she cut his dick off. However, just remind me to revisit that. All right. So. Orgasm revisitation. Copy. Thank you. So during the trial, there's a lot of um, details that are revealed so there were two separate trials. There was his trial for rape because she said that he raped her. So just spoiler alert, everybody, marital rape is a thing. Mm-hmm. And just because you are married to a man or a woman and, and as part of a union, it's expected that there is sex, it doesn't mean that they have to give it to you every single time. And if your spouse says no, it still means no. Right. And you can be prosecuted for forcing a spouse to have sex with you. Well, Sorry. Kind of ridiculous. You would never in any other situation. Mm-hmm. If you ask me what I would like for dinner and I've given you no response and you say, would you care for Mexican? And I say, no, you would not jam a taco down with with an enchilada. Uh, well, I, mean, I wish you would. Honestly. It's spicy. But, so that's a thing. That's mm-hmm. a thing. That's a fucking thing. It's a thing. It's a recently legalized thing, which makes me sick to my stomach. I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. So what was brought out in the trial is Lorena's so, Lorena says that John sexually, physically, and emotionally abused her during their marriage. Can you tell me the story from the beginning, starting with what you know as fact? Or is there too much 
he said, he said, he shall, she shalls. He said, she said to know what's fact. I have some things I can say that are backed by witness statements. Um, But ultimately, John, they did his trial first Mm -hmm. and he was acquitted of rape. And then they did the trial of Lorena. So Lorena basically cut his dick off and Fitbit's telling me to go to bed. Oh, 12.15? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so really? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. So she cuts his dick off. And in this documentary, the guy's like, she should have considered going to medical school. It is the cleanest cut of all of the cuts. There's no nub. There's no nothing. It's just slash. No just nub. dick gone. Ugh. So she only cut the dick off. Testicles are still intact. She takes the dick with her and drives and at some point throws it out of the driver's window, but like over the car into a field. Now, meanwhile, John wakes up and realizes he's bleeding profusely. He, his friend was staying there. So like he had come home drunk, his story, him and his friend came home drunk. His story is he came home, she wanted to have sex with him, he said no, and he was considering leaving her, and they were going to get a divorce, and she was upset. So she, wait till he went to sleep and cut his dick off. Sounds fake, but okay. She says, he came home, he was drunk, he wanted to have sex, I said no, he made me have sex. A lot of the time when it was rape, it was anal sex, but she, I think in that instance, she had said it was vaginal because it, when she's testifying, she was on the the stand and she was like and it hurt and it just felt like my vagina was ripping and you wouldn't understand because you're a man and you don't have one but like it I was so scared and he was hurting me so much so she says that she goes into the kitchen after he like is done with her and passes out and she opens the fridge and a light like shines on this knife in the kitchen and she snaps and she doesn't remember what happened. She grabbed the knife. She went in the room. She cut off his dick and then she's just driving with a dick in her hand. And then she, I came here with my dick in my hand. <laughs> Shake it. Um, so then she throws it and he wakes up. He's bleeding. Like he lost a lot of blood and he well, wakes- he's also drunk. I yes. guess no matter which story you believe. And that's like a blood thinner. Mm-hmm. So he wakes up his friend. His friend doesn't realize how serious it is. His friend gets up and goes to brush his teeth. <laughs> I would murder you. Right? <laughs> You're missing a tit? And I'm like, sorry. Minty fresh breath. You're like, I can't even tell the difference. Unless maybe I was wondering, like, because he was drunk too. And maybe he was like, I don't want to smell like alcohol while I drive. Maybe. But also, my God. Either way, he gets to the hospital. And then there's all this talk in the documentary about how they couldn't say over the police radio what the actual issue was because news outlets listened. And if they said they were looking for a penis, the news would be all over it. Oh, for Christ's sake. So they kept saying appendage. But then this woman, she's the coroner, medical examiner. I don't know. They send her to the house to look for the dick. But their concern was that maybe Lorena swallowed it. This is not... Bjorn Borgen or whatever the fuck. <laughs> That's not what this is. She didn't leave just knees. <laughs> it's not Armin Maivis. She threw right? away his fleshy trash. <laughs> munchen, munchen. Oh my God. So like that was the whole thing. So they end up, 
Lorena's in talking. In what world? She goes to the police station and reports the rape. Well, she went. Did she go to her friend's house or something? She went to the salon. Like it's a whole thing. But so she goes to report the rape, and then they're like, "Well, also we have this matter of this dick." And so she tells them where the dick is. They get the dick. They reattach the dick, and we're gonna get into mechanics of a dick later. Mechanics of a dick. But if they hadn't found the dick, the only thing to do was to make it so that his urethra mm. worked similarly to a woman. So he would just have to sit to pee for the rest of his life. Okay. Cry me river. Yeah. There's just nothing to do. So they get the dick. They put it back on. Surprise, the dick works. Happiness and sunshine. So Happiness. now. What? Happiness. Happiness. <laughs> so now it's the trial. So he's found not guilty of rape and now it's her trial so she's on the stand and she says that he flaunted his infidelities at one point she got pregnant he forced her to have an abortion and the continued abuse like i said it was anal and vaginal and there was bruising and everything um just like regardless but i would like to jump a point in here i think that what you were saying she reported centers around like I wasn't aroused it was painful and it was awful and like well yes that could be an experience it also could be the experience that you lubricate just fine and it's not painful and even sometimes people who experience spousal or other sexual abuse well I don't necessarily know that it's an issue of lubrication only like I think he was rough like it wasn't Mm. just like he forced her to have sex and she was dry I was just thinking it's not if you're if you become aroused during a sexual assault, it doesn't, it doesn't make it, it yeah. not a sexual we said that assault. Else Did we? I just like that's so important, and I hate when people are like, "Oh, I feel uncomfortable because I had an orgasm." Go nuts! The body responds where the heart doesn't want to. Like yeah. it's not got anything to do with it. The her defense was that you know she it was this ongoing abuse, and he had told her like, "If you try to leave me, like you're gonna get deported, and I'm gonna kill you, and where are you gonna go?" And not only are you gonna get deported. But also, I'm going to kill you. Like, God, sir, Um, He's going to send her back to Ecuador in a month. Also, please send Um, me back to Ecuador. I hate it here. So, during... So, the her defense was that she had um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And it was a... It was a breaking point where she hit it. And it makes sense that she attacked what was causing her the pain, Mm -hmm. which was the penis. And to to do that relieves stress off of her because now he doesn't have it. Yeah. He can't hurt me with it. Mm-hmm. So. And then she took it. So he can't have it at all. Like, But then she was nice. She didn't need to, like, Whoopi Goldberg in the thing, she does a county sketch. She's like, I wouldn't have fucking told him where it was. <laughs> Absolutely not. A miracle a dog didn't eat it or something. Like, raccoons? I feel like something would have gotten A raccoon. It. I'm sorry, sir. A raccoon. We had to choose a raccoon to get your dick. A raccoon. God damn it. So, in cross-examination, he denies all the allegations of debut. Of debuse. Debuse. <laughs> Carrie Debussy, go on. <laughs> oh. He, even in the documentary, he, like, the things that are presented in this documentary, and then he's like, I've never actually physically abused anyone, really, ever. Lies. Lies and fairy tales, but okay. Well, okay, go ahead. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he denies... The abuse, um, and Lorena testifies that John had raped her and physically battered her on multiple occasions prior to the evening of the severing of the penis. The evening of the severing of the penis. 
And that they lacked financial stability and that he stole her earnings and spent most of the proceeds, which is a typical thing to be done Mm -hmm. in a situation of the sort. So she lived in constant fear. So this is what she decides to do. Um, So the argument was basically um, guilty by reason of insanity. And it was, oh, fuck, I can't forget the, or I can't remember the term oh irresistible impulse so like she was brought to this point she sees a knife she cannot it's just she this is the impulse she has to do it's like we were talking about if you come in and you see your your spouse in flagrante like that's Mm -hmm. a mediating mitigating circumstance yeah whatever so um she said that like he was telling like it also people his friends went to the testified for her saying that he would brag about how he likes forced sex and he can have sex with her whenever he wants and that he does whatever and the one guy felt so bad he's like i watched my mom get beat by my father like i'm not and he thinks he's just gonna talk this to me and i'm not gonna say something when it matters yeah so i wish he had said something before the rest of the world thought it mattered absolutely and he would say things like, I will find you whether we're divorced or separated and wherever I find you, I'll have sex with you whenever I want to. So, but also here's this girl, maybe still waiting for her papers. I don't know how long they were married. Like, do you know what I mean? Like still they got sort married of, in, hold on. So this happens in June, 93, 93. They were married, come on, 1989. So still fairly new. Like you don't know you're on a 10 year span maybe of like, being an eligible citizen, had she had citizenship, do you know? Or it was all I, contingent on him? Like, that sucks. What yeah. is his background? What does he do for work? Girl, I don't... Who cares? He was, a he was in the military, is what I was he hoping was. he would say. Yes, he was. <clears throat> and he tries to sort of blame that, but... Well, I don't think it's even a blame thing. I think it's like, people are going to listen to him because... Thank you for your service, thank you for your service. Well, You're so he You're so gets back in touch with... Look, hold up there. That's a whole fucking <laughs> thing. Um, but so... In the trial where he was acquitted, it was a jury of nine women and three men, which surprised me just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what happened. Was he attractive? Ish. Like a Jodie Arias thing, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't think but... he was ugly. Okay. I could see how women would find him attractive. Yeah, not asking about the inside of his character, just yeah, like no. his outer shell yeah, is no, attractive. Yeah, I think he okay. looks okay. conventionally attractive. During the trial, copy. Because he ain't pretty now. Oh. <laughs> ain't nobody pretty now. No, um, she's beautiful. I know. She's gorgeous. She's so beautiful. This is a thing. Breaks my whole heart. So this mm-hmm. woman, Lorena did nails at a salon. Mm-hmm. And this woman made an appointment to get her nails done. And she said that when she called to make the appointment, someone was like, okay, you're going to be at this time with what she thought they said was Lena. They said Lorena. So she goes to get her nails done, and Lena. I mean, that's a very reasonable She's, like, thing. calling her Lena, and she's like, she was so polite, she didn't even correct me. And I'm like, ah, I feel that. When people <laughs> call me Amy sometimes, and I'm like, meh, not worth it. Amelin. Oh, well, <laughs> I'd rather that than Amy, to be fair. So this woman is getting her nails done by Lorena, and Lorena, like, rolls up her sleeves. And she was like, I saw her arms, and they were completely bruised, just black and blue all over mm. the place. And she's like, and I saw it and I was shocked and she saw me see it and she immediately covered them up. 
and she was shaking and she was crying. And I asked her what happened. And she was like, my husband hurt me. And the woman was like, well, you have to go. Like, you can't be there. You have to go. And she was like, I can't. He's my husband. He'll kill me. So she has this experience and like, it sticks with her. And now fast forward, she sees. I just wish that that person would go, you know what? I'll come with you. Let's well, go to the still, police. It like, still doesn't matter. Some people are going to say no, no matter what. But she could have tried. Mm. I mean, she tried the best she could. Like, you don't, imagine if I'm, at, if I'm working, when I was working at Olive Garden and someone comes up and like, hey, you got a black guy? Like, you're, the fuck are you going to do? Who are you? But you're if somebody shows me. genuine interest, like, and, well, what she happened, actually, you have to get the out woman of there. did say, like, you can come. I will help you. Come to my house or whatever. And the is like, no, he will kill me and then he will kill you. Like, mm. he will find you. So she did offer, but then like obviously yeah. didn't push the situation. So then fast forward however long, she sees um, that John was acquitted of rape. And he see, she sees Lena slash Lorena walk across the screen. She goes, oh my God, that's her. It's the woman. So she calls the courthouse and she talks to the prosecutor. And the prosecutor's like, son of a bitch if I would have had this I would have gotten him Mm -hmm. and she was like what I'm sorry he's like I'm so sorry I know I'm (laughs) sorry I'm just upset I can't use you the case has already gone to to jury but I'm going to give you a name of this person I want you to call him so he gives her the number to the prosecutor of Lorena's trial Mm. Ebert and she explains the situation and he she was he said something about like this doesn't help me but me? well, it's the prosecution. They're prosecuting oh, Lorena. Prosecuting Lorena, yeah. But he gives her the number to the defense attorney. Well, that was kind. Then, wait for it. Then, when she testifies in the trial, she goes through with the defense attorney answering all the questions. And then when it comes time for him to cross-examine her, she says that she they made eye contact. And he goes, and you can see, like, they have video of it. I don't see the eye contact, but I yeah. see he goes, no further questions. And she was like, you could tell. He just decided her in that moment, stand on like, own. I'm not going to then. So all of the state's psychiatric testimonies were like, no, she she knew exactly what she was doing. It's not irresistible impulse. It's not PTSD. Like, she knew what I she was doing. I think that you could maybe know exactly what you're doing and, still and have feel an irresistible impulse. Agreed. But for insanity... Sure. The argument is you didn't know right or wrong at the time of the crime. I think impulsivity and insanity have to necessarily be different things. I don't think that. But if you're doing not guilty by reason of insanity, but then I just also think having not to guilty prove by reason of irresistible impulsivity as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I think you, that's a different thing because of that state. Mm-hmm. They had to pick something to argue to make no, it insanity. Totally. But just do you know what I mean? Like in an ideal world, no. I see these as different. no, no such thing. All of the state testify that no it wasn't irresistible and Paul she knew what she was doing she did it on purpose and then all of a sudden in the middle of the trial the state forensic psychiatrist changed his testimony so he had to be huh. re put on the stand initial, testimony? An- initial was that she did it she knew what she was doing well come to find out that the woman who testified about the bruises gets a call from that forensic psychiatrist and he says ebert the prosecutor told me to call you i have some Mm -hmm. questions for you and so he asked her about the whole thing and she was re 
you know, like going back and forth about, well, like she said she was crumbling and she was shaking and she would cry and like, she didn't know what else to do and whatever. And so then he goes on the stand and he says that he spoke to her. Obviously he doesn't say why he spoke to her. Probably they said like she called him and he's like given everything she said about that interaction. Yeah. With this new information that meets the definition of like post-traumatic stress disorder. And for a lot of the jurors, that was what tipped them. Okay. So ultimately she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And she was sentenced like 45 days um, like evaluation period at a hospital, which I felt bad. You watch the thing. She didn't, she heard like not guilty and thought she was going home when she was being sent somewhere. She didn't know mm. what it was. I hope that it was at a hospital where she could get help for her PTSD and not like to watch and make sure she doesn't hurt somebody else. Well, it was evaluation and probably a little bit of treatment. And then after the 45 days, she was found to be like reasonable Stable. to be let out. And then she was doing outpatient stuff. And he's just still free in the world. Yes. So, okay. So this is where I don't even know where to start. So John decides to capitalize on this. And this is where I'm going to go after Howard Stern. Go nuts, girl. He goes on the show. Howard Stern decides to, on a New Year's... Okay. uh, (laughs) Decides to help raise money for him for his penis and says what does he need um, done to his penis well to like the hospital bills for what they had to do Hmm. so hold on do i have the exact quote i feel like that might have been covered by the state no Hmm. because also he ends up going um bankrupt and he the hospital never gets paid my god yeah so um Howard Stern is quoted as saying that I don't believe he even raped her anyways. Your wife isn't that attractive. She's got pimples. <gasps> oh my God. First Thank of you. all, that Thank doesn't you. make any difference. Second Thank of all, you. she is stunning. How dare you? Thank you. And I, like, what? Ugh. Ugh. So. Like, I think there's a very fine though distinct line between like making your guest feel comfortable and going after the victim of he was definitely anti-lorena every time she that's what i'm saying like for what do you know what a lot of the maybe you're gonna get to this i'm sorry but a lot of the world was because there was like this whole bullshit of like oh it's his manhood and oh you've taken away his manliness like what the fuck are you talking about a man could have no penis or testicles and still be mm-hmm. just as much of a man. But the only like, people that were mad were men. Oh, oh my God. And men were livid because like... How very fucking dare she? They would have rather her murder him right. than cut off a dick. Th- I'm saying. Like, that's the most insane thing. And there's like... So there's things where people are like, well, obviously she did it. And so she... You can't be in- insane and she should be prosecuted. And some guy was like... Because obviously people don't understand not guilty by reason of insanity. Sure. And he was like, oh, so she's found not guilty? Well, well, who did it then? He oh obviously God. didn't do it himself. And then Alan Dershowitz talking oh. shit. Everybody and their mother. And by everyone and their mother, I mean everyone and their father and sons and grandfathers. All have shit to say. And how could this jury possibly? You and know who was probably on the right side of history? Nancy Grace. I'm going to say that she Probs. probably was. Probs. <laughs> But here's where I'm going to go. And I'm going to go on this thing and maybe I'm ruining the judicial system. Would you like my soapbox? Yes, please. <laughs> like I stood on it. And I did. Squeakiness. So, there's a thing. Here it is. 
There is a thing in the called jury nullification. It's a fucking thing okay. where if you are on a jury mm-hmm. and all of everything points to that she cut his dick off. Yes. And even if the defense can't prove their theory about PTSD, as a juror, even though no Wait, one... can I ask you a quick question? I don't know. What was she on trial for? Cutting the dick? Yeah. And then the question was, was it because she was insane or not? I'm, let me see if I can get this. Like chart. gross mutilation or something? Surely it wasn't, like, injury with intent to kill. It was. I don't have the actual charges. I would have preferred he just died. I feel like it would have made everything a lot easier. Agree. But anyway, so there's a thing. So you're in, you're on the trial. And they, you know she did it. Uh And the defense has not been able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that she had PTSD or irresistible impulse. As a juror. You are still allowed to say, I don't fucking care. Mm. She, I understand why she did it. Yeah. And I'm choosing to ignore the law and find her not guilty. And perhaps this is why we do such heavy screening for people in a domestic violence case who you would screen out those who had experienced domestic violence. Well, yeah, you would do it you for anything. overwhelmingly have that. That makes sense. But, so like lawyers can't, there's like a, th- a thing in... How to Get Away with Murder. I don't know if you've ever watched it. No, I mean to. Where basically they're in a situation where they can't win and one of the people slips a juror. I don't know how they got to a juror. I don't know, but they slip them something about jury nullification. Letting them know that that's a thing you can do. Lawyers can't tell them. So it's the same thing where, you know, if I'm on a trial for like a mob boss and I know that he had all of these people... Or like Charles Manson, whoever. Like I, they did it, but didn't directly do it. Mm-hmm. I can still say fuck you to the law, fuck you to beyond a reasonable doubt, and vote guilty. And like, no one's gonna get in trouble for that. Well, I guess I have a further follow up. Can can't a jury just do that anyway? That's what I'm saying. Like nobody questions it, right? Like, no. Oh, I thought. I'm sorry. I thought I had to like invoke my right. No, to no, 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 no. I see. So. Like, there were people in the trial that were like, well, you know, they just didn't prove... Or, like, if, if if the jury found him guilty... You know who I'm going to bring up. OJ. Exactly. Thank you. Like, here's all this evidence. But then somebody's like, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. But the evidence still is what it is. Like... I mean, I would... There's probably an argument for why that isn't planting technical mm-hmm. jury nullification. But, like... The, I get it. Like, you're supposed to follow the law, and I know the judge makes a big fucking deal about it, and the lawyers make a big fucking deal about it, but if you go in there as a jury, and you say, fuck you, I'm gonna do what I want, you don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna, like, at worst, they're gonna appeal, and they'll sure. get a different trial. But you will not get anyway. in trouble. So go in there, use your fucking brain cells, and understand that this is insane. And there, there, she had more women on her trial than I. And, like, whatever. She got not guilty for a reason of insanity. But, like, please. There, you're allowed to so she critically could have just think. just not guilty. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe? I don't know. Because I don't know how that state works. Right. But, like, you're allowed to critically think. 
And even if it's in the wrong way, even if it's overwhelming that someone's innocent and you said, fuck you, I want you in prison, still a thing you can do. Yeah. So that's why I will never be on a jury. And because that's the first thing I would do. at this podcast. (laughs) Hey, that's the first thing I would do is like, listen, this is a thing we can do. I'm going to be juror number eight and angry men, angry men, 12 12 angry men. (laughs) And I'm going to tell people what's up. Uh Uh-huh. Whatever. So that's just a thing. Please, everybody, just know. Soapbox over until I need to get back on it and talk about the same thing because I'm so angry. Oh, I couldn't make it squeak, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, okay, so she's found not guilty. Great. He decides to do porn. Oh, that took a leap. Mm-hmm. And it's because they knew just like everybody... I would definitely tune in to see what that penis looked like. That's exactly right. They were like, even if you don't like porn, you're going to fast forward until that first time you see that dick. And it better be up close. What is happening? What's going on here? Right? So, and his dick was fine. Like, perfectly functional and normal. Everything returned. Oh, but wait. Karma's a bitch. Yeah. So, I want to go back real quick to the orgasm comment before Mm -hmm. I forget. So, because English is her second language, and this is just a theory of mine that I don't even think it was presented in the documentary... But when she's talking about how he has an orgasm and is selfish and won't wait for her, maybe that means he won't wait for me to want to have sex. Hmm. And he's selfish because he takes it when he wants it. Yeah. And she just used, you know, this is right after you did it. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's what that means. But it, like, obviously the media took him and, well, and women are even like, well, yeah, fuck off. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Calm yourself. Yeah. Make me happy. And then maybe I'll let you keep your dick. Like, whatever. So I just want to put that out there as an alternate explanation. And while I don't even care if she said that and meant it, I believe everything that she says happened Mm -hmm. in the abuse. And there's witnesses that back it up. Yeah. So whatever. He goes into porn. And what is she doing? Just like living her life, working? Yeah. She's trying to go back to school and she's trying to, she keeps talking about the American dream. Not porn anyway, is what you're telling me. No, not porn. Got it. Not porn. She doesn't even want to, like, be famous at all. She's like, I didn't ask for the spotlight. Like, yeah, this crazy thing happened, but... And if anything, she just wants it to draw attention to... Yeah, just please be normal and... Domestic violence. Yeah. And, like, Biden, apparently, was the champion of the American Domestic Violence Act. Hmm. And he got... I didn't know that one. He got a Republican on the other side of the aisle to, like, champion it with him. And then later, Bernie Sanders has some shit to say about it. Yeah. Bernie's cocaine exactly it's cocaine okay so sure is isn't it he's in ew what (laughs) I love when you read your own notes and you're horrified by them (laughs) after the incident John attempted to generate money from his renown from his renown renown by forming a band the severed parts Oh, no. To pay his mounting medical and legal bills, although the band was unsuccessful. Surprise! To generate enough money. Because do you have any skills? No. Mm-mm. You just... So then in September 90, 1994, he appears in the adult film, John Wayne Bobbitt, uncut. Oh, no. He was circumcised, though, right? Is that a joke? No. <laughs> <laughs> we took a little too much as my moyle. I feel bad. <laughs> no, I... Yes. Uh. 
So then he's not making any money because he's getting scammed by his manager. Spoiler alert. That's amazing. So in 1996, he stars in another adult film called Frankenpenis. Frankenpenis? Which is... I haven't seen that one. <laughs> ...about him wanting to get, like, penis augmentation. And in the movie, they show the surgery. The augmentation. Yeah, so they're... And it, they talk about it in Howard Stern. He was getting more length and more girth. And the doctor that, like, originally reattached his penis had nothing to do with this. And he, in the documentary, he's like, had he asked me if it was worth the risk, I'd have said no. But instead, because he just want, needed to make more money and he wanted what to be they famous. What do they put in there? Fat? Yes. Oh. And. Uh, like, what? Penile tissue is not fat. You're going to talk to me about. Surprise. He's me the penis. Surprise. He ended up with a deformed penis. And the doctor he let do it had had lawsuits against him for fucking up other surgeries. Like, this doctor went on Howard Stern with him. But then the doctor obviously didn't tell him anything about these lawsuits. He lost his medical license. And when this guy escaped, like, dick removal and got a healthy dick back and then ruined it on his own, karma is a bitch. Quick question. Can they liposuck the Ew, I don't, penis? No, it's like all, it's like deformed. He even says, he's like, yeah, and now, like, I wanted this, like, super penis, and now it's, like, pathetic penis. What did you think it was going to be? They can't inject uh, the wolf. That's what he thought. Blue semen. No, I can't. Anyways, so. It reminds me of that. Did you ever see that picture of, like, there was some chick, like, literally out of the back of her car. In Florida, because, like, where else? At, sorry, Floridians. And they were injecting tire sealant, and I can't remember Into her what butt. else. But, and then there was another one that did it to her face, oh. and it hardened. Mm. And now they have these massive, like, deformed, like, mm. chunks of their face. And I feel so badly for these poor people. I don't. You're an idiot. But, like, if No. <laughs> no. You know better. Can we just for one second, if you are undereducated and no. you think, oh, I can afford this. No. And this if it goes in a tire, body, it doesn't go in your body. They don't know it's tire sealant. They well, thought, that's different. They thought that she, oh yeah, I don't know. Only the doctor, and I'll use that in extreme quotations, oh knew what was in it. They were like, oh, it's injections. It's from Brazil. It's a Brazilian butt lift. You got to come. It's $20. Oh my God. I know. Well, John knew what he was doing. John, sorry about your fat dick. Not Sorry. But it's not even a fat dick in, like, a good way. I just picture, like... Did you ever watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force? With Meatwad? Of course. That's what I picture. <laughs> Fucking Meatwad. But, like, a little bit longer. Like, just a... Like a I'm picturing... A very, mountain of Meatwad. Very distinctly, I'm picturing those... Hold on. Close your eyes and picture with me. Oh, Jesus. It is a about six inch long plastic tube and it's filled with blue water and like several like fish things. And it's hollow in the center such that you can push your finger through one end and like sort of make it move and like squish around. <laughs> they used to sell them in like natural wonders stores, if you can come with me on that. No, it's fucking meatwad. Maybe <laughs> maybe that size, no, but, but it's meatwad. I'm picturing that, but somebody has grabbed it and it's oozing between the fingers of every <laughs> hand. <laughs> 
That literally just gave me... <laughs> Do you know what else happens? So fat is a very interesting thing, and it turns out it travels in... Packs? <laughs> I was going to say packs, but it's like kind of like lines a little bit. So like when you're flying above like a farm and you see those like patchwork, like produce items. Crops. Yeah, kind of looks like that. And when you give somebody liposuction, it goes in in a straight line as well. So you're taking out one row of crops. And so when somebody has liposuction and then they get fat again, you've taken out... Fat cells work like um, storage containers. So like, bitch, if you gave me 100,000 Rubbermaids, you better believe I would fill them. I don't even give a fuck what it is. Fucking expired tea light candles. Yes, ma'am. Expired ass soup going in there. Like I would fill that shit. And that's how your body works too. Like once you have those fat cells, your body will work to keep replenishing them. You can't get rid of fat cells. And as you get heavier, they keep... Like, you get more. It's like you're buying more totes. Um, and then you just keep those totes. They're just hanging out in your house until you fill them with more garbage. And by garbage, I mean fat. So for people who get liposuction, it sucks out a row of fat. And then when people get fat again, it's like they filled up a couple of totes in a mountain. And then there's a valley where that liposuction happened. And then another mountain of fat. And it looks real fucking weird. So they get real wavy in their bodies. Girl. Mm. And you know if you're having liposuction, you're going to get fat again. You look at fat again. Why are you having liposuction? Do you know what I mean? Like, just work out. I don't know. But that's how I picture his dick. Go ahead. Meet Wad. Continue. Mm. Deny, deny, Okay. Deny. So, then he gets... Sorry, so Frankenpenis came out? Or it was, like, such no. a, a no. flop? It was... It's a real thing. My God. Yeah. Um. Also in 1994... What are you doing after this? No. Let's watch Frankenpenis. Fuck no. <laughs> Like, they showed a bit of it, and it no! shows him, like, it shows the surgery just, like, but you can't see anything, and then it shows him sitting on, like, like, I picture, okay, so, like, it's, a, like, a college, and then there's stairs going up, oh, and sure. then on either side, there's, like, things you can sit on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, things. Yeah, like, weird blocks. Levels. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's sitting on one, and it's the fakest shit I've ever seen, and he's got his hands on his knees, and he's got his hand on his... His elbows on his knees and his hand on his chin. He's like, I just got to think about it. I'm not sure. Like, you're making a movie about it. You're fucking sure. You're the worst actor ever. You're the worst actor ever. Well, notoriously porn, not the best actors. Not the best actors. Okay. So in 1994. I'm dead with this. I can't wait. He was charged with striking Christina Elliott, a 21-year-old former exotic dancer. Christina, what are you doing with this guy? And then, so on August 30. First, 1994, he was convicted of battery and sentenced to 15 days in jail. Were they together or she was dancing? They were together. Um. Sorry, so you get with this guy, the first night you're together, he's got, he no. unleashes meat wad. Well, And you stay with him? Perhaps she left and that's why he struck her. No, 1996 was Frank and Penis. This is 1994 still. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, like, we've gone back to, like, this was you his just penis to tell me Frank story. And penis. Got it. And now this is his rest of his body story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> he's a regular dick. Not an Andy dick. The severed parts that we did. <laughs> Andy dick. Moving it's not just parts, his name. Tricksy. It's who he is. Oh, that was sad. I know. So, he was convicted of battery, sentenced 15 days in jail. Days! Um, this the, is why people don't report. The justice of the peace told John that I firmly believe you have an attitude problem. Hmm. And your attitude problem is caused by your drinking. I don't disagree. 
Agreed. So at some point he tries to be in like the WWF on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Remember when the World Wildlife Foundation was like, hell no. I know. Um, oh so then God. he moved to Vegas and he, this is after Frank and Penis now, he moved to Vegas and he was working at this like bar where escorts were. And so he was supposed to be a bartender. How is he around women? I just feel like when somebody's a repeat nobody believes it and nobody knows about this other bitch (sighs) and he was found not guilty i can't so he's brought to this whatever bar as like a come see him it's john bobbitt watch this weird dick yeah and he couldn't bartend because he couldn't focus so if he was on to bartend there was someone there with him actually doing the work and then he was supposed to be a limo driver and he couldn't take that seriously and whatever because of his alcoholism or like who he is as a person also uh-huh. um meanwhile sorry back to Lorena still thriving yep just doing her graduating best. okay go ahead so he also okay so this is interesting so at this bar there is this escort Desiree who he starts seeing and you're not supposed to see them and so they like secretly leave Vegas and she brings him here something about this is where his family is Niagara Falls and he's like I can't afford anything so she's like putting him up here but then she goes back also bitch count your tits it's like $20 to stay somewhere you're gonna Scottish Inns down the road one of my staff actually served him (laughs) at a gas station on the reservation in Wheatfield how did he know it was him because he fucking knew he saw the card and everything he's like I took a picture of his card I hid the number and his name was on it that's amazing so, he comes here, and I don't feel like this is in my... Was it? Notes. Yes. Um, I figured. <laughs> so, he, she comes here with him. She goes back. She's giving him money. She comes back here to be like, guess what? I'm not giving you money anymore. Yeah. And he beats the shit out of her. I would have made that phone call. He Hi, sorry. Well, thank you. You're out. You're out on your luck. He hangs her mm. over a balcony, which is what Lorena said he would threaten to do all the time. He told her, you're my, you're my Lorena now. Hangs her by holding her or like nooses? No, holding her. Oh my God. And just like wrecks her and says like, you're my Lorena now. You're like the new Lorena. And he ends up getting he's like in and out of jail i think he says for like 10 years and part of the reason why he was like convicted was because a little boy heard a ruckus and stood on a chair and looked out a peephole she was like 11 or 12 and saw him physically dragging her down the hallway and when they show it in the documentary it was in north tonawanda oh my god right what the hell? And the guy's like, I'm, I want to put the, the woman who was saying this, I want to put, put her in contempt of court because this is all false and blah, 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 blah. And then in 2014, he was severely injured when he broke his neck in a vehicular accident in Buffalo, New York. Wow. I didn't know he, he so he was just like living here or what? I guess. That's not bad. I had no idea. And in the documentary, he maintains that he has never once Physically harmed a woman. Stop it. There's evidence. He, then in a weird 
thing, he starts to say, well, he understands and feels bad for Lorena because his mom was also abused. And I'm like, so now you're acknowledging that she was abused? Yeah. I don't know. And then he talks about, well, they had this pedophile uncle and he, his mom had a breakdown because his dad left or died or something. And then they had to go live in this poor place where they were the only white people and he was getting beat up and she was getting attacked and then this and then they went to live with these uncles and but the one uncle abused them and too late sorry sorry also get you're lying you're lying right now saying you've never put your hand on anybody but do you know how many people have that same story and don't yeah and never but wait ellen there's more he keeps sending lorena cards and text messages oh about you get a p.o box he goes I, you, when you told me that I didn't know how to love you and treat you right, you were correct and I didn't know and you're the, the only person that's ever really loved that's me for Jekyll me. That's the Jekyll and Hyde because he felt like that was the only successful takeover of a woman and now he wants to get her back yeah. so he can have it again. And he says like that if they did in the documentaries, like if we got back together, it would be like a true like forgiveness story and blah, blah, blah. I hope she's like, I'm good. And she's, so she's reading these cards. And then there's a text message where he's like, I Please love you tell so me much. There's no emotionality. We Why does he oh take he, your number, bitch? No, listen, I love you so much. We should get back together. If we got back together, people would be really interested. There's money to be made no. there. If we had a baby, people would want the exclusives. Like he's very much hurting for money. Sure. Also, let's definitely use this baby as yeah. so we have also after he made her have an abortion. Oh. Really? So she's reading these cards, she's showing these text messages, and he's like, well, she reached out to me first to, like, see if I had money or anything. And so I didn't tell her anything. Probably he always And then I reached out to, like, for, like, closure, but it, it didn't work. But, like, she started the conversation. She has cards after cards. She He's signing it, your eternal flame. Like, oh, God. Fuck. I should have slit your throat. I should have cut your dick off and shove it down your throat. And choke on your dick. Bye. See if you swallowed it because they all thought she did. I just can't imagine cutting off a penis and be like, oh. Unless maybe they thought she bit it off. Oh, maybe. But like. But it was so clean. I Before they saw that, I think. What kind of teeth she got going on in there? Better than Armin Mivis. Okay. We know that it can't Somebody stop me. When it's flaccid, very difficult. Yeah. Okay, so do you have any more thoughts before I move on to my last and final thing? I just, I think Lorena is the highlight of this story. And I think it is sad and depressing that even the books that are written aside from this, titled Lorena, um, all of the books and stories that are written about her, even the ones that do tell her story, are focused on like... The cutting off A penis was cut. And not what led to it. Yeah, and just like... She even talks about, so they show her a clip she's on, um, and I know you don't like them. Maury? No. Sally Jesse? I have Lee Harvey Oswald in my head. Lee Steve Harvey. Harvey. Oh, I do hate Steve Harvey Oswald. I love him. But she's on with him, and he's just, like, talking, and he's like, so, like, I get it. <laughs> but why'd he's you like, take it? He's like, I would have bitten it. He's like, why'd you take it with you? Why didn't you just, like, leave it on the pillow so when he woke up? Flush that shit. So, like, they're joking, and she's like, you know, there were jokes in the beginning, and, like, they were awful. And she's like, but now, like, I will take the jokes if at the end of the day the take-home message is that 
women are getting abused and it's real. But it's not. The take-home message is, look at this headline-grabbing thing that happened, meaning the cutting off of somebody's penis, and it gets people's attention because penis, and it gets people's attention because sex sells, and I feel like her story really in my adult life wasn't laid out as well as it has been in the last five years. Mm -hmm. Like, I I feel like it really took a long time for her story to come out. Mm -hmm. The woman at the end of the movie, I think it was someone that worked at the bar with him or whatever. She's like woman after my own heart. She's like thousands of clits are cut off in Africa every day and you don't hear a thing about it but cut off one man's poor dick and it's national news. Well, it's a man's world. That's what my mom used to say. My mom used to be like, there's 75 million pills for a guy when he can't get his dick hard, but God forbid, make a period a little bit more comfortable for a woman so she's not in pain. For just one second though, while I appreciate the um, added inclusivity of periods into commercials, what the gush <laughs> not the headline to go with. I'm going to slip my wrist. That's what's going to be gushing. Not the headline you want to go with. Nope. I they they did that same campaign. Did another thing that was like, what myths do you feel about your period? And like that was kind of interesting because people were like, oh, you can stop it if you eat enough garlic. Or like if you go in the ocean, shit. the sharks will eat you. Exactly. Well, everyone knows that that's mm. true. That's how I plan to die. <laughs> oh wait, I can't. Get, I can't get my brain. But uh, yeah. So yeah, I, that's how I feel. Uh, well, yes, that. And then I have one other slight thought was just to revisit that he, as the man, and the essential bread earner, although it appears she was bringing in all the money mm-hmm. and then he was just hoarding it, um, as the leader of that household, I can see what we were talking about earlier, how it made it very difficult for her to leave. Like, he's taken all of her money. He... Oh my God, speaking of... God. So she had one, like, confidant who was the salon owner where she worked? Well, that's exactly the other thing I was going to say. She, well, who are her friends? That woman? Until after the trial and everything, Lorena starts getting like invitations to like Maury or whatever and like Oprah. Sure. And this woman like becomes her agent sort of and Lorena signs something that she doesn't know what she's signing and she's signing over like 15% of anything she makes. And this woman was like, oh, and they fly us first class and we get this and everything she's wearing, I bought her and like she totally totally takes advantage and Lorena's like you know I just I was so upset like she was my confidant that's who I went to I would go in my car and sleep outside of the salon in the middle of the night when I was trying to escape John and now like I had to say goodbye to her and it was so hard but like she hurt me I'm like how could you fucking do that that's like me taking advantage of you right now I do feel like there's an element of if I I'm in this crazy situation and I don't know what to do and I'm like I know I want you by me I need you to quit your job so you can be with me 100% of the time. If, the situa- if that's like that. the situation, then I get it. Like, no. you help me capitalize off of this insanity. No. and Because she no, didn't even want to capitalize. Either, but... And then there was a point where, like, they were going to make a movie or whatever. Because at some point, like, he's making all... Well, he was supposed to be making all this money, like... Until Frank and Penis, a flop that that was. Flop. Wow. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, anything else before I continue? So, what are you going to tell us about now? Okay, so this is a nice little segue into our next episode. So, ultimately, 
the surgery to reattach his penis. Anatomy of a penis. <laughs> Took nine and a half hours. Sorry, this is from the time he arrives or from the time the penis arrives? From Obviously from the time the penis arrives. I don't think that's obvious. How long did it take to Because what the surgery oh, took. Okay. So it was the urological and the... Pla- Why? What? Um, sorry, so remember when we were talking about Mivus? Mm-hmm. And the, the slightly bit... Mm-hmm. And he was in the bathroom. So I have a couple of questions. Yeah, that's exactly actually what I'm wondering. So when, let's say that I had my finger severed in some like weird welding accident or something. I have the finger and it's on ice. And I have my hand, which I suppose is also on ice. Not totally sure about the logistics there. Then I go to the hospital. What do they do to that injury to prevent it from healing over? Well, I think they have to do, um, they do a tourniquet one to stop you from bleeding out. Mm -hmm. But in that instance, I don't think there was enough time. For it to like, they found it pretty soon after. This and doctor surgery. had been talking about how he had planned, like from the second he arrived, that urethral surgery you had mentioned. Yeah, because like, he didn't think the dick was coming. I just wonder if they had taken steps in that direction that they then had to undo. I'm and just guessing was so he was like prepping for surgery, and then they were like, over the radio, surprise, we have the appendage. I don't think any surgery was started before the dick came. Got it. But so between the urological part of it and the plastic surgery part of it, it took nine and a half hours. Um, so I'm going to read this excerpt. The, the next episode, we're going to get into a lot of shit about sperm and eggs and how our bodies work and the crazy shit. And as I'm still planning the episode... Spermatozoan. <laughs> you need... You need to know the architecture of both the female anatomy. The architecture? Yes, the female anatomy as well as the male anatomy. Mm. But I don't want this to be a four-hour episode, even though it might still. Three hours. So I had originally chosen to talk less about the male architecture because we're more familiar and nobody really knows what's going on mm. inside a woman. We know. We do, but the majority of the world does not. World. Thank you. So... This is taken from a book that I'm going to use frequently in the next episode. It's called Sperm Wars, and I highly recommend it, but do not read or listen to it until after I tell you I all the cool things. I swear to fucking God. So I'm literally going to read this verbatim. Four, please. Um, and again, this is going to help you be prepared for the next episode, because I just didn't want to have time. So now keep this in mind. I'm going to stop at the point where I'm like, this is what was cut off. But you just need to know how the... I'm, well, I'm going to read the whole thing, but I'm like, yes. starting we, at the frenulum of previous Venus, I assume? But you would think, but she doesn't use the term, and it makes me upset. <laughs> so, here I go. Here we go. I'm going to close my eyes so I can envision what the, Please the do. readers... Imagine that you are a doctor, sitting on a chair, and a naked man is standing in front of you, waiting to be examined. Hello, naked man. His genitals are at your eye level. Welcome to my genitals. Note his navel. Hmm. His pubic hair. There it is. And the penis hanging down, slightly askew, in front of the scrotal stack containing his pair of testes. Shorter than I would have thought, sir. <laughs> Hold his flaccid penis in the palm of your right hand, hmm. and if he has one, make sure the foreskin is pushed back. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> He's circumcised, though, right? Oh. Uh, I will stop pushing back your lack of foreskin, sir. I apologize. I thought you were uncut. (laughs) 
because her eyes are closed. That's because my eyes are in fact closed, as all good doctors are. Absolutely. So, the rather swollen knob at the end of the penis... Look at your swollen knob. ...is called the glands. And right in front of you is the vertical slit-like opening of the urethra. I just poked it to see what would happen. So disgusting. Nothing happened. I didn't like the noise. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Not a visual medium. <laughs> shouldn't be. Moochin Moochin. Go ahead. <laughs> just open the door and be like, what am Moochin Moochin. What am I doing with the balls? <laughs> Wait, we're not there yet. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Vertical so, slit? Yes, vertical slit mm. of the urethra. Through this, the man both urinates and ejaculates. Nice slit, sir. Fix the line of his urethra in your mind. It runs a straight line from the opening of opening slit back through the penis shaft mm. into his body and up to join his bladder. Okay. Fix your eyes at the top of his pubic hair and imagine you can see inside to where the urethra and the bladder join. Just below this point, the urethra is joined from left and right by two tubes. Nice tubes. The, the, these tubes run all the way down to the testes, and each one contains, in effect, a column of sperm. Where these tubes join the urethra, they are surrounded by a walnut-sized mass of tissue. This is the prostate gland, which produces the bulk of the seminal fluid. So where do these two columns of sperm come from? Where did your columns of sperm come from? Even as the man stands in front of you, his testes are a hive of activity. My god, I can see them moving. Inside, cells are multiplying, growing, and finally maturing into sperm. Your testicles are disgusting. <laughs> They're really grossing me out. Why are they moving? <laughs> what? I can't believe your eyes are still closed. This is hilarious. <laughs> That's why you gotta read this book. Mm. Or listen to it on a 12-hour drive home mm. and get strangely aroused during the scene. I don't know that I would. In this oh, way. bitch! This one just feels... Because it's not a scene. I'm still holding this dick. You really are. <laughs> but this is the biological part, not the sex mm. scene. May I set the dick down now? Or no, I'm still... no, no. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, your testicles, sir, are a hive of activity. <laughs> By the time the sperm are mature... And fit to be ejaculated, hmm. they have already been herded into the single column of sp- what? <laughs> they have already been herded into the single column of sperm from their testes. Hmm. They are in the sperm tube, but they are still in, or rather, on the surface of the testes. Ah, so they're sort of waiting like horses at the derby, hanging out. Yes, yes. Got it. Waiting for the gates to open. I'm not sure what that song is. It's when they, right before they, it's called to the post. Oh my god. Oh my god, I wish every dick had a call to the post when the sperm's coming. <laughs> I so am happy. not ready. Don't you dare. That would make me so happy. Okay. The sperm tube changes in character along its length. In the testes, the tube is called the epididymis. Epididymis. And Your epididymis is showing. And from the testes up to the urethra, it is called the vas deferens. Mm. Whereas the vas deferens is more or less straight, the epididymis is incredibly zigzag and convoluted. 
It looks a little bit like brain tissue, if I may. Once the sperm are in the epididymis, they are, in effect, simply queuing up to be ejaculated. Because they're matured. Each time the man ejaculates some of his sperm, the rest shunt forward. Shunt. As part of the front of each queue hmm. is lost through ejaculation, newly mature sperm join the back of the queue in the testes. If I may? Yes. If I would like to procreate and I wanted to ensure I had the freshest sperm, how many ejaculates would require you to get a new batch? I don't know, but I have... The body manages the things, and we're going to talk about it next I week. don't want some stale-ass sperm. No. Some t- well, I, I don't know if I get to it. Do I say Child, it? Oh, wait, here we go. Here sperm. we go. Okay. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, very approximately... Oh, here we go. Thank very you. approximately, it takes two months for a sperm to develop and oh. travel from deep deep inside the testes and join this queue. Each sperm will then spend a further two weeks queuing in the epididymis and up to a further five days or so in the vast deferens. Oh, how long are they good in the refrigerator? Two months in a week. My God. There is a little queue jumping as some young sperm from the back of the queue are shunted ahead of older sperm at the front. Shunt those But this need not concern us here. Now let's follow what happens to our medical model as he goes off with his two columns of sperm and has intercourse. Am I meant to drop the penis now? No. Okay. Well, now pretend you're fucking it, I guess. Oh, all right. Well. No. <laughs> I guess I'll just take my hand away from the <laughs> penis. I apologize for the uh, brevity of our interaction, but now we are just didn't have even sex. make him cough. Oh, I didn't have my hand on the testes. I mm. just sort of Because they were just a hive of activity. Yes, they were a hive. While he was standing in front of you, he had no sperm in his urethra. But two sperm tubes containing, in total, up to about a thousand million sperm. Hmm. Nothing will change when his penis becomes erect, not even during the early stages of penetration and thrusting. Even though sperm will be shunted out of each sperm tube... shunt. That's the word. I don't care for it. Exploded. No. Exploded. (laughs) No, because it's not ejaculate. It's being moved in the tubes. Shunted. (sighs) <sighs> oh, I've lost my place. Sorry, shunted. <laughs> I gotta get rid of this chair. It's very distracting. I know, right? Um, okay. Hmm. Nothing will change when his penis becomes erect, not even during the early stages of penetration and thrusting. Eventually, though, sperm will be shunted out of each sperm tube and into the urethra. Around sphincter that normally prevents urine leaking out of the bladder, also prevents sperm sperm from entering the bladder. Sturm. Howard Sperm. Howard Sturm. The man's urine... Oh. The the man's (laughs) urine leaking out of the bladder also prevents sperm from entering the bladder, because obviously Mm. that's not where they're meant to go. They're not helpful in the bladder. Correct. The man's urethra is now loaded... Ready to fire. Can we just for one second, there's a thing called retrograde ejaculation where the sperm does go back into the bladder and it causes significant pain. Mm-hmm. Sorry about your life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the man's urethra is now loaded, ready to fire. While loading, the man will feel a pleasurable urgency at the base of his penis. While loading. He will also measuring. know. Measuring. <laughs> He will also know that ejaculation is imminent. Just how imminent is, to a limited extent, under his conscious control. Hmm. When he finally ejaculates, 
Seminal fluid pours from his prostrate, 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 prostate into his urethra. I keep wanting to say urethra, and I'm like, urethra Franklin, and I can't, because I just want some respect. <laughs> okay, so let me try that sentence again. When he finally ejaculates, seminal fluid pours from his prostate into his urethra. Then muscles contract. Then muscles contract mm -hmm. and the mixture of fluid and sperm is projected in a series of spurts along the urethra and out into the woman. Hmm. Or man, as True. it were. But we're talking about the purpose to procreate, mm -hmm. I suppose. But it would be the same. Um, now, it is not difficult to understand how the man's body controls the number of sperm he ejaculates. Because we're going to talk about that next episode, that there is a control. Mm-hmm. That they have that is based on crazy shit. Okay. Um, depending on how many of his loading muscles work and how strongly he can shunt any length of each of his sperm columns out of their tubes and into his urethra. Even after loading, his body can change its mind. By varying the number of spurts, usually from between three and eight, he can ejaculate a different proportion of the loaded sperm. Any sperm and seminal fluid left in his urethra after ejaculation can be flushed out at the next urination. Hmm. So, I need you to keep that in mind for next week. Can we talk about the, where the incision was made? So, the incision would be right before... Hold on, penis back in hand. Yes, yeah, penis is in your hand, and then when it says... Okay, so you're talking about slit-like urethra, mm -hmm. line, body... Penis pubes. shaft. Picture the pubes. Yeah, that's picture as the top of the pubic hair. That's where we stop. So it's right. It's literally flush against. Yeah, the base of his body. Yes. Got so it. it would be that so part of the urethra. If you were going to measure a penis, it would be the, the where you start the measuring tape. Yes. is where he was cut. Yes, yeah. the testes stay intact. All gonads are present and accounted for. It was literally just like a gonads here, here. It was literally just as close as you, like, the guy was like, she should have considered medical school. Like, it is the cleanest cut I've ever seen. I do feel like she With probably a pulled, kitchen it, knife. pulled it up yeah, and then just, sliced. But still, like, that must have been a sharp-ass knife, because sometimes I can't even cut into apples. Absolutely. Chicken is incredibly Oh, my God. It just... Oh, and I assume that flaccid penis would be similar to chicken breast. Well, I don't know, because, like... Spongy bodies. I mean, I guess I haven't really looked at the architecture, but I imagine if you if you're right and she straddled him, grabbed it. I don't it. know that she even straddled. I just oh, think I she pulled it. it up and like. Whoosh. But if she pulled it up, I feel like it's thinner at the base, mm -hmm. like right where it hits the body, and that's probably why it was easier. It's thinner, and that's why it was a clean cut. I also don't feel like it, there was a lot of like hacking. Or sawing motions. No. I feel like it was a very clean. Yeah, that's why it was Because he would have woken up as well. Yeah. So. Hmm. I mean, so next episode is going to be a lot of this weird bullshit that I talk about. And it's not really going to have anything to do with, like, crime. It's going to be, like, where psychology and biology meet in a weird way. So it's probably, it's going to be lighthearted. I'm going to be... Blowing my own mind. I'm going to be blowing Ellen's mind. If Ellen does not react in the way I need her to react, I'm cutting her dick off. I and already decided I won't say a word. She will never do that to me because we are friends. And I just gave her the coolest present. Ooh, ooh. 
And yeah, so that'll be lighter hearted. Um, unless it disturbs people, which it might, because it kind of, kind of disturbs me a hint. It takes, puts things into perspective. You have no need for that perspective. I do. Well, <laughs> next time. It's that time of the week again. What is the noise that happens when the sperm join? So when it's like shunting forward? When it's shunting? I think it's like reminiscent of like drums. Mm. 